In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the Coptic month of Hatur. And as I mentioned to you last week, the theme of, uh, of this Coptic month is listening to the Word of God in our life. Listening to the Word of God in our life. And like last week, uh, the Gospel of today is about the parable of the sower. And uh, last week it was from the Gospel of St. Luke, and this week it's from the Gospel of St. Matthew. And last week I told you a story, I told you a story about an experience that I had uh, working out with some of the, the youth from church. And and today I'd like to build on that story. So to catch you up from last week instead, in case you weren't uh, here last week. The story was that I went to the gym with some some youth. And I noticed that during our workout, these youth were not working out. They were on their phones. And so after the workout, I was like, what is this? This isn't a workout. This is Dala. This is not... Uh, you, you're not with the, you know, you're gonna leave the gym and you didn't benefit from your time at the gym. And the idea was that, the, the idea that we were discussing last week is that if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And the idea was that many people do not grow in their spiritual life because they sow sparingly in their spiritual life, so they reap very sparingly. And the idea was that many people might attend liturgy or Sunday school, but then, like my friends at the gym, at the end of the, the month, they'll say, we have no gains, no progress, because they weren't there with their heart. So today I'd like to dig a little deeper into that story, and others like it. And the principle that I would like to take with you from today is the idea that the same reality, the same reality does not give the same results. The same reality does not give the same results. For example, I just, as I just mentioned, we all spent the same time at the gym. We all did. We were at the gym the same time. But we all didn't benefit from the gym in the same way. We've benefited differently. Some students attend the same school. Any school. You look at the school, it's the same school. And fee kids in the school, very brilliant. Fee kids, not so brilliant. And the, so the same school, it has the same opportunities, but very different outcomes. Very different outcomes. Some people attend church. Some people attend church. The same liturgy. They attend the same sermons. They attend the same Sunday school. They attend the same things. Wahed would say, this place is very holy and I see God in this place. Another person could say, this was the most boring thing ever. I want to be done. The same, the same one, the same thing, but two opportunities, but completely different outcomes. And this concept is in the Pauline epistle today. It said, God blesses the soil which drinks in the rain that falls on it and grows plants that are useful to those whom it is cultivated. But if it grows thorns and weeds, it is worth noting, and it is in danger of being cursed by God and will be destroyed by fire. In other words, the earth receives the same rain, but sometimes it plants, if it's cultivated well, it gives something nice. Or it could give thorns, and the ones that are in thorns, and they're going to get pulled out. The principle can be stated very nicely 
in like economic terms, it says the equality of opportunity, equality of opportunity does not ensure equality of outcome. Equality of opportunity does not ensure the equality of outcome. And the gospel today is about a sower. And the sower, he goes out to sow seed. And he sows the seed on different types of ground. The wayside, the rocky ground, the thorns, the good ground. The seed that landed on the wayside is the same seed that landed on the rocky ground. Is the same seed that lands on the thorns. Is the same seed that lands on the good ground. There's no difference in the seed. No difference in the seed. The difference is in the ground. The difference is in the heart of each man. On one side, you see, you have the opportunity, and on the other side, you have the outcomes. And what separates the opportunity from the outcomes is personal choice. Personal choice. And how we respond to the opportunities that we have been given. And that's why today I'd like to speak to you about how we can respond to the Word of God in our life. And I'll give you three important criteria of how we can respond to the, to the Word of God. The first criteria is to desire godly. Is there a will for godliness? Do you desire in your life to live a life with God? Do you desire a life with God? Do you? Everyone should ask themselves, do I desire a life with God? Unfortunately, too many people these days, especially during this time of like Corona, um, have lost their desire, I feel, have lost their desire for God. And the beautiful thing is that God has called every single person to have a unique and personal relationship with, with Him. And He invited us all to the wedding banquet. He invited us all to the wedding banquet. He has given us equal opportunity, given us equal opportunity to attend the wedding banquet. But some people, you know what happened? They took light, this opportunity to attend the wedding banquet. And it says in Matthew 22, the people who were initially invited to attend the wedding banquet, they made light of the invitation. They went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed him. These are the people of the wayside. The people of the wayside, they refuse to accept the invitation that God has given them to come to the banquet. The people of the wayside, they see no purpose of God in their life. God has no purpose in their life. They might look to their non-believing friends. They look at their non-believing friends. And they look at their non-believing colleagues and say, their life is fine. They're so happy. They're so fun. They're having... So why am I doing all this Christian stuff? All this extra... And waking and fasting and, and matanyas and what is this? But I hope that after today you'll see that this, although this may seem to be true, this is not true. This is a deception. This is a lie. Because without God, without God, a life is barren. Without God, life is fruit, fruitless. Without God, life is dry. And I believe, especially these days, especially these days, and I this that many of the youth in particular are suffering from like a great internal sadness in their hearts. A great internal sadness because they think they can live happy away from God. 
And they're, they're discovering that there is no happiness away from God. And so inside they're carrying a deep, 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 deep burden and a, a great sadness. But if we accept the word of God, there is amazing transformation. I was thinking about the wayside of like, you know who's a good person that I would characterize the wayside with? Ahab. Ahab in the Old Testament is described as the most wicked king in the Old Testament. It says, there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. The most wicked king. So I would consider him the wayside. The most wicked king, he's the wayside. But Ahab's the wayside, and despite Ahab being so hard of heart... God, in His mercy and in His love to Ahab, He always sent to him the prophet Elijah. And Elijah kept coming to him and rebuking him. And sometimes, you know, Ahab didn't respond. But actually, at the end, when Ahab took the vineyard of Naboth, and Elijah came and rebuked him, it says that... Ahab heard the words, then he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. So this was someone from the wayside. By all means, he's on the wayside, the worst king in the history of kings. And when Elijah criticized him at the end and told him this, he responded with fasting and mourning. And God in His great mercy told Elijah, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring calamity in his days. So I guess my words are, there is hope for the wayside. If we are in the wayside now, if we listen to the word of God, if we listen to the rebuke, of Elijah and we like or the rebuke of the church and the church is teaching us to live a certain way and we change God is so merciful and so forgiving and he looked past the sin of Ahab the second criteria for responding to the word of God is diligence diligence remember I was talking about a quality of opportunity here and Outcomes here. What separates, what ensures that you get the best outcome? The diligent ones. The diligent ones, they get the best outcomes. There's a quality of opportunity to attend this liturgy. Didn't you all sign up? It's only the diligent ones. Get to, actually, there's a lot of empty space, so we could have had another. But in general, only the diligent ones, the ones who sign up, like first, they will be able to attend the liturgy. The diligent ones. The ones who care. The ones that have it on their heart. Diligence is having or showing care in one's work or duties. Diligence is the opposite of laziness. The opposite of laziness. And the Bible teaches us to be very diligent people. I think someday, sometimes we romanticize the idea of laziness. Ah, oh, I wish so much... I could just sleep all day. I wish I could. I just want to sleep all day, all day and all night. Nothing would be better than just to sleep. So we're all sleeping. It's great. But you know there's a time where you sleep all day. You know what that's called? You know what that's called? It's called death. When you sleep all day for death. 
يعني when you're in the casket انتوا هتكونوا نايمين like us you'll be dead so why do you romanticize this idea of we want to sleep all day that's that's a, a time for death now is the time to do work this is the time for work this is the time to be diligent this is the time to do to to do the will of god even the day of rest the day of rest You know what the day of rest means? The day of rest is a time to do good works. It's not a time to go and watch football and sit on the couch and eat hot dogs and wings. The day of rest is a day to do good works. Ahna here to do good works. So that's that's diligence. And we can be diligent in a couple of ways. One, we can be diligent. When you purchase, like, imagine you are going to go purchase a house. You're going to go shop for houses. You go to a house, and you see, you pull up to the house, and you see the outside weeds, and like, weeds and rocks, like, and then you say, like, messed up. No landscaping, this. You say, the owner of this house, is not very... Diligent. I know my house needs some landscaping too. So don't worry. So the owner of this house doesn't, everyone's like, oh, he's talking about me. No, we all can do a little more landscaping in our house. But the landscaping is a sign of a diligent when you come to a house and you see the landscape like very beautiful, no weeds. You say, wow, this house has a very diligent owner. He cares for the manzar and the appearance. It's very beautiful. Similarly, in our spiritual life, we need to remove the rocks and the thorns in our life. The diligent person, he goes and does landscaping in his life. And he takes out all the thorns and all the rocks in their life. Many people these days, they say, I don't have time for God. I don't have time for God. Why don't you have time for God? Maybe you, know, maybe you are working, you're so diligent and you're working non-stop and God bless you if that's you. Otherwise, perhaps there's too many rocks and thorns in your life that are taking up too much of your time. If there are too many rocks and thorns in your life, you need to do some landscaping. The diligent person, he goes and he cleans up his yard and, and removes all the rocks and the thorns. One thing that I'm trying personally, personally, and I'm confessing to you, is right now I'm trying to, we all, who's addicted to their phones? And I'm addicted. Oh, my confession, I'm addicted. So, and I'm making a resolution, like I gave Michelle my phone, and I told her, like, decrease my time, and set the screen time, and lock it. And you have the code, don't tell me it, I don't want to see it, I don't want to do it. And every week, I'm trying to, I wish you guys would join me on this. To remove the thorns. This phone does a big thorn in our life. And a big rock. We all need to get off our phone shwaya to focus in on God more. So that would be taking out the thorns from our life. A diligent person is always looking to improve. Looking for areas of growth. Looking for areas to grow in the knowledge of God. A diligent person has to be self-reflective and honest with himself. There's a show on TV. It's called, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but a celebrity chef. He goes and he, he goes to a restaurant and he, and they're usually failing restaurants. 
and he like tries to enhance this business. And sometimes the food that the chef makes is like, ack, like it's disgusting. It's the worst food ever. And, and in the eyes of the chef, he thinks it's the best soup ever. <laughs> He's like, this is the best food ever. That's actually, it's disgusting. That's not a diligent owner. The ragil abit. That he doesn't realize that the food he's making is disgusting. And he's, he's like, he's not willing to change. A diligent person so reflective. If you had a business and you saw that the food you're making, get a new chef. Switch, change. A diligent owner, he's, he's so observant. He's so honest with himself. He says, this, this part of my life needs to change. I need to change. I need to get better. Shayad them the same disgusting soup every, to the same people every time. That would be so crazy. Why would you do that? Be lacking diligence. Business owners, they also are looking for, business owners, they're the best example of diligent people. You can't be a business owner and not be diligent. <laughs> so business owners, so diligent. They're always looking for ways to increase their business. Right? Always looking at ways to minimize costs, ways to improve efficiency, ways new products to sell, new things to do, to improve. Similarly, a Christian should always be thinking about how to grow in my spiritual life more and more and more and thinking of new ways. Oh, I need to read this book. Oh, I need to hear this sermon. Oh, I wish I could do this. Oh, I need to attend this. Oh, I need so many different opportunities to grow in our spiritual life. A diligent person sees these opportunities, sees the, the, the church is like a buffet lot. It's like, oh, I want to eat from this and this and this and this. So many opportunities for growth. A diligent person takes advantage of those. The diligent Christian, Christian isn't just content on, diligent Christian isn't content on following rules. Following rules and guidelines. Oh, church says we have to be here at 10 to take uh, communion. No, the diligent Christian says, oh, I want to go early and praise God. I want to do, doesn't just stay to the requirements. Says, oh, I want to do more prayers. I want to do more fasting. That's a diligent Christian. A diligent Christian is someone who knows their responsibilities, that sees their duty. You know, like a a diligent Christian is like uh, learned from the Good Samaritan. You have someone dead in front of you, and then you just walk by. Oh, okay. And then we, the priest, the, the two, the Levi and the priest, they did that. The good Samaritan, he said, I have a responsibility to, to, to this person. I have a responsibility. Christians, they, that's a diligent Christian. He sees his responsibility. That he has a responsibility to, to help al-mawdod. He's dead in front. When, actually in the church, many like, actually people dying. And I think we all have a responsibility to be, We need to all extend a hand and help and, 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 and don't just say, oh, that's not my responsibility. Oh, Michael, you can. No, we don't point the responsibility to other. No, it's our responsibility, our duty, our diligent. Like that's a diligent Christian. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ says, "When you have done the things commanded to to you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done. 
what is our duty to do? We have done what is our duty. We have a duty. That's a diligent Christian. The last thing that I will leave you with is that the third criteria, you have the out, you have the opportunity, you have the outcomes. In between them is a long path. It's a very long path. So this path requires patience. Requires patience. We have to have patience in our spiritual life to let the seeds that are growing in our heart to develop, to bear fruit. A tree cannot grow overnight. So we have to be patient and wait till God bestows our, the spiritual gifts that He has given to us. The, the classic example is like Esau and Jacob. God gave Esau a very special gift and said, you will be, you are the firstborn, you have the birthright. But guess what? Esau saw, and he's so hungry that he forsook his birthright for, for food. What foolishness. What impatience. And I think many people in the Christian life, you know what grows faster? Until you guys experience this, what grows faster? The flowers or the weeds? The weeds don't, you pluck them, they come right back. They grow so fast. Weeds grow so fast. The good fruit takes time. The nice flowers, they take time to, to develop. They take time to develop. And sometimes in our pleasure seeking, because we want to see fruit so fast, we're happy with weeds. But those are weeds. Those are weeds. Like young people would forsake their purity for something quick and, and fast. It's a weed. It's just a weed. But patience, patience, patience. If you sow purity, you will reap the reward of purity when you are married, when you have your kids in your, in your, in, 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 later on in life. But it takes patience. Sow your virtues. Know that your virtues will, 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 will reward much fruit later on in life. With that, we said three criteria for the Word of God. We said, we said, we said the first criteria was to desire to be godly. Desire to be godly. To desire to be godly. That's the wayside. To be the wayside, peace people don't have a desire to be godly. The second one was to be diligent, to be diligent Christians. And the third one, to be patient. And glory be to God forever. Amen.